You're listening to Why We Do What We Do. All right, welcome to Why We Do What We Do. I am going to be your glassy-eyed, wandering host, Abraham. (laughs) And I am going to be your insomniac co-host, Shane. And so, Shane. Have you ever fallen asleep in one place and then ended up in a completely different place? Uh, yes, I have. It was in my uh, my party days, we'll say. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a different issue. I could see how that, that would happen. So, like, falling asleep <laughs> in your bed and then you wake up baking a cheesecake in your kitchen sort of thing? Nope, that hasn't happened to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> or, or in Cheesecake Factory, maybe, just head in the freezer. Yeah, I mean, it depends on depends on the cheesecake i guess <laughs> that's fair <laughs> <laughs> gotta be that vegan cream cheese you know and i've had vegan cheesecake and it's it's wonderful it's wonderful so i was really excited to put this episode together after we had talked about like how to ruin your sleep and this ties in so perfectly with how to ruin your sleep it just got me thinking about sleep disorders and stuff and so today our episode is on sleepwalking which is a <laughs> really interesting but can be a deadly phenomenon for some folks yeah that's right and it's kind of funny because we just had done an episode on sleep and and we talked a little bit about some of the wild things that people have done while asleep or at least claimed to have been asleep while doing them. Mm-hmm. And that definitely is going to come up in this particular episode. It may have even been sure. part of the impetus for choosing to do this. But did you also mention that you had a you had a family member who was a sleepwalker? Oh, yes. My brother would sleepwalk a lot when he was a kid. He's woken up peeing in the trash can he's woken up trying to go outside but my favorite one my favorite two is he woke up in the shower in his pajamas in the dark um so he was taking a shower in the dark in his pajamas but the other one was he fell asleep on our couch in our living room and my dad woke him up and was like hey jess you gotta you gotta go go get in bed it's time to go to bed and so he gets up and he starts lifting up the couch cushions he's like looking in the couch for stuff And my dad's like, what are you doing? And he turns around and gets in my dad's face, like right up nose to nose and goes, I'm looking for the balloons. (laughs) And he just screams at his face. And I was kind of like, I like, you didn't do that to my dad. So it was like, everybody was like, oh, Jesse's dead. (laughs) And so my dad goes, all right, Jess. All right, let's go. Let's go. And so Jesse, my brother walks down the hallway. Like we didn't live in a big house. So he's like walking down this little tiny hallway and he's, he gets to his room. He has to turn left into his room from the hallway and he stops like he's skidding like a cartoon character. Like he like hops on one foot like he's skidding around a corner. Yeah. But he, as he's doing this, he's also flapping his hands like he's a bird <laughs> and then walks into his room and goes to sleep and doesn't remember a single bit of it. It sounds like also substance abuse. Not that I'm saying it was. Yeah. It just sounds like <laughs> something I would expect from someone who was using yeah. substances. Yeah, you would think that he was really drunk. He was like nine. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. I'm hoping that you have some more anecdotes to pepper in throughout this discussion. But yeah, we're going to be asking the question, what is it? The sleepwalking thing. Why it occurs? How do you deal with this? What do you do to someone or with someone who's sleepwalking? And uh, will a sleepwalker also murder you? Yeah, that's a good question. It's an important question. It's likely no. Almost 99.9% no, but we're going to talk about that. So the official terminology for this is somnambulism, which is borrowed from the French term somnambuliste from medieval Latin somnambulus or sleepwalker. And it's broken up. Somnus means sleep and ambulo means to walk. So straight up, just that's exactly what it means. Somnambulist means 
to walk while you're asleep is essentially what that says. And it's also described as noctambulism, which are both essentially considered sleep disorders. So this is under a category of larger sleep disorders, which we'll talk about in a second. Noctambulism kind of sounds like Nightwalker. Yeah. Which is also kind of the name for a vampire. Yeah. Also a great name for a band. That would be, yeah. Nightwalker. If you go see Behemoth, noctambulism is going to open up for them. <laughs> Great. You're welcome, everybody, for that. So <laughs> just to make sure we say that really clearly so everyone can hear it, somnambulism is the uh, mm-hmm. very overly articulated version of this. And so as you as you were describing, this is essentially people who are walking around whilst asleep. And that means, I mean, if we have terms for it going back that far, this implies this is not a new phenomenon. We've known that people do this. Right. Presumably animals do this. Essentially, this is you have a combination of someone who is at a sleeping state. And they're sort of caught between that sleeping state and a wakefulness state. So the body's not fully at rest and not fully awake. And they're sort of engaging in activity that might normally occur during waking hours, but without the same level of, if you will, cognitive interaction with mm-hmm. observation, movement, behavior toward things in their normal environment based on their normal learning history. Right. Because presumably they're not getting all of the inputs they need to be getting right to be able to interact with that that environment successfully yeah so typically people who will sleepwalk will quietly walk around their rooms try to escape from a room and they appear to be awake so that's kind of the strange thing about it is they'll appear to be awake in that context they will either respond to questions slowly or nonsensically or they won't respond at all and oftentimes have no memory of the event whatsoever. So you might know somebody who has been sleepwalking and maybe they've even talked to you or had a conversation and they won't remember it for a second. As somebody who has watched my brother do this, it's bizarre Yeah, because you're like, you don't remember doing that at all. Like you literally made a grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> you don't remember doing that? And he's like, nope, don't, don't at all. So it's, it's really interesting. Hopefully he didn't put balloons on that grilled cheese. Yeah. Yeah. He did have to get gastric surgery. As a result, like okay. he did have some stuff stuck in his intestines. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't. But yeah, really bizarre. So <laughs> my younger brother also would sleepwalk. It was not very often. It was a pretty rare occurrence, but he was non-responsive. So he just kind of look at you like, what are you saying to me? <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't say very much. He just said that glassy eye look in his face. and would kind of make some weird sounds like, eh. Mm, sort of thing <laughs> yeah and so not not nearly as as much fun but i definitely wanted to mess with him while he was sleepwalking but it's actually kind of hard to do and honest and yeah. not, it was not a good idea like this was this was not an appropriate reaction but i was a teenager so i thought i was <laughs> i obviously thought i was funny anyway yeah so one myth about this is just that this is not people acting out dreams we'll touch more on that in a little bit but essentially sleepwalking actually occurs when people are in slow wave sleep so this is pretty deep level sleep i think is also called end stage rem and we'll talk more about sort of the various sleep stages later but it's actually that they're at a pretty deep level of their sleep if you will this is the yeah. inception level part of their dream or their they're sleeping yeah that's that's where christopher nolan got the idea his his uh his wife was sleepwalking and he was like i'm gonna write a movie about this and it's not gonna make any sense <laughs> i don't know if that's what really happened but i can imagine so now Sleepwalking is actually part of a larger subset of sleep-related disorders called parasomnia. This list includes things like sleep talking, which is something that I do. I actually sleep. I talk in my sleep quite a bit. One time while I was sleeping, I told somebody that I was so fat that if I were a DJ, my DJ name would be DJ Calories. (laughs) Oh, man. So like 
I'm even funny in my sleep. <laughs> I've always been a sleep talker. Like that's some from the time that I was young. I, that has never gone away. I haven't grown out of it. As, as a matter of fact, it's probably gotten worse. I used to give change back in my sleep from when I used to work at Starbucks. I used to like hand back change. So would you just like pull change out of your pockets in bed and like hand it to the person next to you? Wouldn't that be great? Like it's just like <laughs> tossing quarters at people like, ha no, I never did that. We'll get to this more, but that does actually speak to, since you share this with your brother, this, this does tend to run in families and we'll talk about that more, but yeah, some other things that are included in the list of parasomnias includes sleep groaning, of course, mm-hmm. nightmares and night terrors, and then bedwetting. Mm-hmm. My best friend used to have night terrors and he would have to lock his bedroom. We'll talk about this too. He used to have to lock his bedroom door at night because he would like, he like broke his nose in his sleep as a result of a night terror. Yikes. Yeah, it was horrifying, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that later. So this also includes confusional arousal, which I didn't really find a good definition for, but I guess like if you just kind of take it literally, it makes sense. Like, like, huh, that's, that's the thing that works. Yeah. We'll, we'll take the innocent definition on that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Teeth grinding, sleep eating, and REM sleep behavior disorders. What is that? So the way that they described it was basically like that's when you start acting out, like you engage in physical and like physical, but not you're not actually like walking and stuff like that. That's that's the part where you're kind of like, quote unquote, acting out your dreams. Some others include probably newer uh, sleep texting. Mm -hmm. I doubt that that was something that people worried about, you know, a century ago. (laughs) Sexomnia exploding head syndrome, which is really interesting. And I think one we should probably do a specific episode on if we haven't already. I don't think we have. Yeah. But um, exploding heads, very interesting syndrome. Yeah. It's real weird. It's like, it's that scene from scanners. (laughs) Yes. So essentially, if you're not familiar with it, it's essentially like you, you, you hear a loud noise and you wake up suddenly. It's like you're jarred awake as a result of a loud noise. It happens in your head. It doesn't happen anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not an actual, like if there was a loud noise that woke you up because it was a loud noise, then that would not be exploding head. It's the perception of the loud noise, but there's some interesting research into it anyway. Yeah. So we're adding it to the list. Sleep related hallucinations, sleep related scratching and sleep driving, which is incredibly dangerous. Right. It's going to be self-driving cars <laughs> coming up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. I saw a video of a guy testing like a self-driving car, like the, st- the self-stopping system, and then got hit by his own car. Oh, no. Yeah. It's like, that didn't work. Maybe don't test that. That's not the place to test it. Yeah. Say, I'll, I'll be the crash test dummy for that. <laughs> so, of course, why d- does this happen is a question we want to, to try and ask and answer. And there are multiple causes of sleepwalking and parasomnia in general, and it's not 100% clear what the cause-effect relationship are, but we know that factors that are related to this include things like stress and anxiety, depression, of course, substance abuse is going to be on there, PTSD, disrupted sleep, sleep deprivation. So see our episode just a couple weeks ago on how to ruin Mm -hmm. your sleep, and then you can turn into a sleepwalker maybe. Yeah. Neurological disorders medication side effects, brain injury, fever, sleep apnea, and restless leg syndrome. You remember from those uh, commercials when you were a kid? Yeah, everybody was worried about their legs moving too much. That's right. Their legs are just flopping all over us out of bed, just dragging them, (laughs) you know, like paranormal activity. Yeah, it's real weird. Yeah, they just get pulled out of bed and slide down the hallway by their restless legs. (laughs) Yeah, their legs had to go places. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And I definitely saw... And some of the research that I, I did as well and some of the prep for this, that another cause of this is that there is just certain amounts of physical development that take place mm-hmm. that some of those steps don't necessarily develop at the same time. And meaning that as your body and your brain are developing, 
part of that system is learning to regulate or is getting under control the sort of muscle suppression that is supposed to take place while you sleep uh-huh. such that you don't do things like sleepwalking. And if that takes a while to develop appropriately, that that's part of the reason that you will see sleepwalking take place. Yeah, absolutely. And and what's interesting is like it does impact people of all ages, but it mostly occurs in children way more than adults. Typically, adults grow out of it once your body is kind of regulated and once those processes are in place. But people who do sleepwalk a lot, they really only have isolated incidents. It's not happening as often. But the Sleep Foundation, which is a lot of where we pulled some stats and some information on this, gives some statistics on the prevalence of this. And they found that 29% of children between the ages of 2 and 13 experience sleepwalking. So when you have like that sudden horror in your room, of a child just walking up and not and just staring at you in your sleep and not saying anything or doing anything. When that happens to you, that's probably because they're sleepwalking. That happened. My daughter did that one time. Like I woke up and she was standing next to my bed, just staring down at me while I was sleeping. I was like, either she is going to, she's going to murder me at some point. And she was like four, just so everybody's aware. She was like four, either she's going to murder me or she's just out. She's just in her sleep. And she used to scream in her sleep and stuff too. But But the majority of children that experience this in that two to 13 range, it actually happens between 10 and 13 years old. So you're going to see more of that type of expression of sleepwalking happen in that time. And then up to 4% of adults will report experiencing sleepwalking. I did see numbers as high as 30% of adults saying that at some point during their adulthood, they experience an episode. But I think that for the most part, the research seems to suggest on the statistics for this is that regular occurrences of this drop pretty substantially after childhood down to that 4% or less. These numbers vary so much because it's really hard to figure it out. It's really hard to report how often it's happening. Most people don't remember those specific episodes. So the research on it is pretty limited in the fact that they just can't get decent reporting on it. You know, when there are people that are in those test conditions, it's not as likely because they're in a different space than their normal routine. So they're going to find there's that little bit of a reactivity related to that. And you got to imagine that for any number of those people who are either living alone and that they sleepwalk and they don't remember it. And so they just simply wake up and think that they've had a normal night. Mm -hmm. Maybe they think that they're haunted because things are happening in the middle of the night when they don't know that they're happening. (laughs) Right. But also might be the case that there are people who are in relationships, but their partner is a heavy sleeper. In which case, the partner doesn't wake up to their sleepwalking, and so they just go about doing, the, you know, making their grilled cheese, taking their cold pajama showers, and <laughs> looking for the hidden balloons in the house. Mm-hmm. And then again, nobody's the wiser because nobody's awake to see it. And so you're right that I, I bet that this is a pretty underreported phenomenon. So maybe set up some cameras in your house and have them run at night just to see if you're a sleepwalker. The thing is, is for the most part, it's pretty innocuous. It's not going to get you in trouble or get you injured, but there are those cases. Like I live next door to a a kid who would sleepwalk, but he would like bolt out the front door into traffic. So like that was really dangerous. They had to put dead bolts on the doors and stuff. And like I said, we'll talk more about that stuff later, but for the most part, people are going to kind of like get up, do something real quick and then get back in this bed. Or they'll just kind of do something like one of those parasomnias where they'll just talk in their sleep and stuff. But now, in order to understand this phenomenon, one thing that I tried to find was kind of like just the hardware for it, right? I want to I want to understand the hardware and the process. Like, how does this happen? What takes part in this process? And how do we go from being awake to being asleep, but we're going around and now we're doing these, these wacky things like putting couch pillows in the ovens like in Step Brothers? Sure. So there are several necessary brain structures. I mean, all of your brain structures are necessary, but there are several related to the process of sleep. Right. It's just if you take out all, all the rest of the brain, just, just those parts are left <laughs> and you get sleepwalking. 
Yeah, that's why that's that's why you sleepwalk. You're missing so much of your brain. But this it's actually an active process. Sleep is an active process and it involves the hypothalamus, the brainstem, the thalamus, the pineal gland, the basal forebrain, and the amygdala, which are all words that if you have not spent years practicing saying are very difficult to say. So the hypothalamus acts as kind of like the control center. Like so, like I think of like inside out, where they have like the panel. Uh, like the emotions have the panel that they're working on, they're messing yeah. with, and they're hitting all the buttons and stuff. That's kind of what your hypothalamus does. And it actually impacts sleep and arousal. So it's kind of like it's your on and off switch for going to sleep and waking up. Then you've got the brain stem, as you said. Then this communicates with the hypothalamus to communicate waking and sleeping processes with the rest of the body. So if you get some sort of short wiring circuitry going on there, then that might uh, result in some of this. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the Apple cords, like the lightning cords, like they break near the end. Yeah, it's supposed right. to plug in. And then it's like your phone's going between like charging and not charging and you can't figure out why. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like, is yeah. there lint in this thing? What's going on? Yeah. You know, it's funny. The first my first experience with like understanding or learning about brain stems and like the medulla oblongata and all that was with young Frankenstein. Oh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> that was my first like I was like, huh, I wonder if that could really happen. And I was like, no, that's. But I was like, hmm, I don't know. It was interesting. That was my first exposure to psychology and neuro oh, well, neurology. I guess it's more not psychology, but neurology. They should use that in high school, like neurology, like introduction into neurology or at least like that section of biology class. Yeah. That movie. Yeah. Very educational. What a great clip. What a great clip. The thalamus relays information from the senses to your cerebral cortex. So your cerebral cortex is also part of this. But during sleep, this is less active. So information is relayed less frequently, right? So you're not getting as much information to your brain. You're not getting as much information to those processes and those things that are going to kind of like make you react to those stimuli. And one of the other sort of difficult-ish to pronounce words, you got the pineal gland. This produces melatonin, that awesome hormone that sends you to sleep land that a lot of people mm -hmm. will take in pill form to try and help them get to sleep. Yeah, yeah. And you've got your basal forebrain, which is not something that you would serve at a fancy restaurant. <laughs> this actually releases adenosine, which supports sleep processes. And this, and actually, this is how caffeine works. So caffeine goes in and directly counteracts those effects. So caffeine will go in and mess with that, which would explain why your cup of coffee kept you up for a week and a half. Yeah, I think the um, basal fore forebrain does sound like it could be a, a dessert of some kind. <laughs> right. You know, it's interesting. It's like, I wonder if my, my basal forebrain is, is like got a mega defense system because caffeine just puts me to sleep every time. Mm -hmm. Or at yeah. least my basal forebrain is like, oh, is that more, would you say adenosine or adenosine? I say uh, adenosine, adenosine, okay. adenosine. That's how I said it. That thing. <laughs> that hormone. <laughs> that hormone. <laughs> my basal forebrain is, sees caffeine. It's like, oh, more of that. Great. Go to sleep now. Yeah. Come on. Come on. All right. In the last section here, and this is one of those more tough to pronounce amygdala, although it kind of looks like Amy G. Dalla mm -hmm. or amygdala, like from uh -huh. Queen Amygdala from Star Wars. Um, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> and all her fancy hairdos and makeup. Yeah. Yeah. And then this is this is highly active during REM sleep, the rapid eye movement portion of sleep. That's one of the other important structures of the brain here. Now we have the hardware, right? So we know all the structures or at least most of the structures that are involved in this process, but there is a process. And so let's talk about how sleep occurs. Typically it occurs in four general stages that this is kind of how, I mean, it, it kind of ebbs and flows. It's a cycle. So it's not going to be like linear where it goes stage one, 
we're here. Stage two, we're here. It's kind of, it ebbs and flows and you kind of like phase in and out of these phases. But stage one is talking about that kind of changeover from wakefulness to sleepfulness or sleepiness or however you want to say it. And this is a relatively light sleep overall, one where you can easily be woken up. And this is about as far as you get when you drink too much alcohol. And we talked about that on the episode before on the on the how to ruin your sleep, why alcohol does this. Alcohol really doesn't let you get to deeper sleep. Like, so you kind of fall asleep at stage one and you stay there for the most part. You kind of like have these lower waves where you stay in that space. And that's why you feel so tired after a night of binging or partying. This is the you were just on the Peloton drinking coffee, eating a snack at midnight before you have to get up in five <laughs> hours. Yeah. Yeah. And you stay there. All right. Let's say that you did not do the things that we recommended to do to ruin your sleep in that episode. And instead you're doing the right things to get more sleep. And so you get into stage two, you're going deeper, deeper. <laughs> this is where you spend most of your sleep time as you cycle. So yeah, uh, not cycle on the Peloton though, just a uh, sleep, sleep cycle. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're sleep yeah. cycling and you're really big into Peloton while you sleepwalk, that's fine. But there you go. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about deep sleep. Stage three is you got to get here, right? This is sleep. stage three is like one of the most important because without this, you're not likely to feel refreshed. You're not likely to repair. Like that's what your body does when you sleep. It starts repairing and kind of recovering and all that. And it doesn't really do that. And this explains why alcohol ruins your sleep and why you have such a hard time when you drink too much because you never get to this stage, which is one of the most important stages of sleep. And as someone who has been almost chronically sleep deprived most of my adult life, I've worn those sort of sleep tracker or I have, I've like soft, mm -hmm. you know, software for my watch that I, I use for that. Yeah. And because I usually get so little sleep, it usually goes like there's stage one sleep, skip stage two, you're in stage three, you stay here all night long. <laughs> and then right. you wake yeah. up. Because <laughs> it's like my, my body's like trying to heal. It's like, please, it's like, please stay on. awake just a little bit longer. <laughs> I don't want to die. We're so, we're so close. The last stage here is REM sleep. This is its own thing. As we said, REM stands for rapid eye movement, and it is spelled R-E-M, which is where the mm -hmm. band got its name. Mm -hmm. And REM Speedwagon. Every time I see REM sleep, I think of that song Stand by R.E.M. Nice. Stand in the place where you live. It's great. Which was like one of my favorite songs when I was a kid. Yeah. And this, the REM cycle, the REM sleep portion of your night, this is where the dreaming occurs. This is where Inception should be taking place. <laughs> also, where sleep paralysis occurs and all of the horrors of sleep that are entailed <laughs> therein. Yeah. And so again, that cycle kind of ebbs and flows. Like that's why you might have multiple dreams a night. That's why you might have those nights where you're kind of restless because you never really get to stage two or stage three. So it's really important to note that this is kind of an ebb and flow. This is kind of ambiguous, but it is the, these general stages can be measured through like brain waves and whatnot. But we still have to ask a question. So now we know the hardware, we know what it is, but why does it occur? Why does sleepwalking occur? And the answer is, yeah, science actually has, has found out that the, the specific answer we now know is, mm. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's as close as we've gotten. We kind of go, ah, uh, like we don't really know. As a matter of fact, like seriously, nobody really knows. Like people know kind of possible causes or like triggers for it. They kind of have these correlational data, but they don't have really any explanation for why this happens. I spent a lot of time digging on this and could not find a unique and clear explanation for why people sleepwalk. Sorry to disappoint you all, but that's where we're at. And I was, I was disappointed in that, but I was also kind of like, you have to kind of take a step back and go, oh, we're still kind of in the dark ages when it comes to understanding the brain. 
Like what we understand of the brain is very, very minimal. And sleepwalking is one of those phenomenon that's like, oh, it's a thing that people do. It's normal human behavior. Right. And I think as far as sort of speculating goes, understanding that everything that we do involves us perceiving our environment in some way, interacting with that environment such that that environment produces feedback on our responding. And it seems like at least part of what's going on during sleepwalking, we don't know why it starts. Like, why do you go from sleeping to walking whilst sleeping? Mm -hmm. But at least the interaction that's occurring while sleepwalking is going on is, as I said, it seems to be like there is a very heavily muddled input. Our sensory inputs aren't, don't seem to be receiving everything. Yeah. And at least not, not in the way they need to be and not at full capacity, which again, don't know what's going on in the brain there. Right. And we are still getting some amount of feedback from the environment because we still, people will be able to walk upstairs, which means they have to be able to perceive them as stairs in some capacity. Right. They have to have, be able to coordinate their legs in such a way that they will rise, land on one step and then flex the muscles to move, propel the body upward. Yeah. And all of that relies on some amount of feedback and interaction and perception of the environment. But it is fascinating to, to try and figure out like, what is the breakdown in that interaction such that you aren't able to meaningfully engage with that or most of the time you aren't able to remember it. So one important fact here though, is a lot of people like to say, well, we can't treat this if we don't understand the why that's not true actually, because we actually yeah. have found that there are some things you can do about this. So can it be treated Shane? Yes. Yes, it can. Absolutely. So Prior to treatment, though, the involved parties have to kind of first assess the risks and dangers of it because it might be pretty innocuous, right? Like me talking in my sleep and telling people that, like, you know, I'm DJ Calories is not going to be dangerous. But for my friend who has night terrors who tried to jump out of a window and broke his nose and did all that stuff, there's there's more danger there. So when you have these types of behaviors, you kind of have to assess the risks and dangers. And for the most part, is the person just screaming into the void while they sleep? Like Riley used to do that and she would just scream and scream and scream. That might be fine. Are they going full? Jason Bourne, you might have a different issue on your hands right now. They're kind of like a super spy and you don't really understand. Like, and so, you know, we might be looking at a full on total recall scenario here, which is an entirely more dangerous situation than anything Jason Bourne has ever done. Right. Cause that involves going to another planet. Yeah. Spoiler alert. It turns out that Jason Bourne was asleep the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> also Mario for super Mario too. So there's oh, a lot yeah, of that's like, right. Mm -hmm, there's a lot of those like twists and turns. Also, if you've ever seen the show Dallas, it was all a dream. Wow. I have not, but now I can't. Just I don't need to. Yeah, yeah, and I don't need to. Dallas is not a show that's been on my list ever. So I don't know. Maybe our folks in Texas will probably really dig that one. Apparently. You know, but these are different concerns. So the first thing you have to look at when you're assessing sleepwalking is eliminating any safety risks, right? So all you have to do is arrange the environment to remove any hazards, lock up knives, add locks to doors. And like I said, my friend who had night terrors, what he would have to do is he would actually have to block his window with furniture because he had tried to jump out of a second story window several times in his sleep. And he also had a deadbolt at the top of his door that was kind of difficult to undo when he was awake. So it was even more difficult to undo while he was asleep. But one of the craziest things I've ever seen is like, so we used to spend summers watching horror movies and just watching this, like these like really ridiculous, like blockbuster, like, Oh, here's nail gun massacre. Okay. We'll watch that. Nice. So we'd just grab whatever we could. We would all stay at his house and he would always sleep upstairs. He would never sleep downstairs with us. He would always sleep upstairs in his room. The one morning he comes down and he's got all of his like sheets and his blankets and they are soaked in blood. And we were like, oh, what no. did you do? Who did you kill? 
he's like, nope, just broke my nose. And like, that's pretty much what happened. He broke his nose in a sleep, woke up in a pool of blood and had to go get his nose repaired. That's exactly what a murderer would say, though. Mm-hmm. Likely story, Chris. So uh, again, speaking to some of the treatment here, although we don't know exactly why this happens, as we described earlier, we do know what some of the risk factors are that seem to be associated with and potentially leading to sleepwalking behavior. And so if we can deal with those sort of as underlying causes or at least address some of those factors, the idea here is that if sleepwalking is a symptom of some other medical condition, managing that condition will relieve those symptoms, which of course sort of makes sense. And going back to things like if you've got stress, anxiety, PTSD, substance abuse, those are other things where if you deal with those issues, behavioral and otherwise, medical and otherwise, mm-hmm. pharmacological and otherwise, yeah. that can also potentially be an effective treatment for managing sleepwalking that might occur. Also, another intervention they talked about was this idea of anticipated awakening. I mean, this is often used a lot for younger children when you kind of can pin down like, you know, some episodes and how they might occur. But since sleepwalking is directly related to specific sleep stages, that's stage two, waking that person up before they hit that sleep stage could stop it. It's found to work with children, but the studies are limited with adults because of the the lack of ability to report. So you see there's a larger population of sleepwalkers and children than there are adults. So they're able to test this intervention a little bit more. I was kind of unclear about exactly what this looked like or how you might pin down that stage of sleep. It might just be like a period of time and stuff like that. But they found that this is a specific thing that works. That, that makes sense. It'd be annoying to me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> You're about to sleepwalk. Wake up. Get off of me. Yeah, I'm going to be more mad. I'm, I'm going to be more dangerous if you if you wake me up to prevent me from sleepwalking than if I'm just sleepwalking. Yeah, it does sort of remind me of there's an episode of Parks and Recreation where Ron Swanson, they're doing like an all, an all night 24 hour telethon to raise funds for something. <laughs> yeah, he's napping during that and he's he's like sleep shadow boxing, I think is what it is. And you go <laughs> and he's like actively throwing punk punches. He's like, hua, hua, hua. And, uh, you know, throwing his fist and doing actual boxing moves. <laughs> it, or it's like in Step Brothers, if you've ever seen that, when they both right. are sleepwalking and they're like playing off of each other. And That's then the right. dad tries to wake them up and he's like, ah, they like beat him up. But they're like throwing stuff. They're like, <laughs> they're throwing the presents at them and stuff. It's hilarious. Right. <laughs> All right. And then so another way of managing this, and this is similar to the one I mentioned earlier with respect to treating underlying causes is sleep hygiene. And seriously, you know, go listen to our episode on how to ruin your sleep. It'll give you everything you need there. Mm -hmm. But in that, we actually did talk about, if you haven't listened to it yet, strategies for how to, if you know how to ruin your sleep, then you essentially know how to improve it. Yeah. And so addressing those sleep hygiene issues can also help. Also, CBT seems to help. Your underlying issues have to do with either insomnia or stress or um, those types of things. They found that uh, specifically CBTI, which is CBT for insomnia, what it does is improve sleep. And as a cool effect, it does kind of reduce those sleepwalking episodes because the stress that's might that might be the kind of the trigger or the cause for it is not as apparent. So that is another option that you can look at. And not to be confused with cannabidiol, cannabidiol or CBD. <laughs> yeah different. very different very different thing different thing and then of course there is the option to use medication this is generally used and viewed as a last resort i mean depending on who you are i'm sure a lot of people are like yes medication yeah the solution to all my problems but it often includes benzodiazepines and antidepressants and some have found that as we mentioned that melatonin to be helpful as well and melatonin is pretty benign Mm -hmm. I don't think that there's been a lot of research suggesting adverse effects from taking melatonin 
Although I think that the research has also been a little bit mixed in terms of how susceptible people are and, and some people are more susceptible than others, Mm -hmm. but that's, those are some, some ways of potentially also treating this. Yeah, absolutely. So we want to talk about a couple episodes and a couple things about sleepwalking that I think, and this is mostly going to be kind of talking about like dispelling myths. So the one question that came up as I was looking at this was the idea of, can you wake up a sleepwalking person? And the answer is no, mostly, right? So you, you, you really shouldn't, but they give you some, like, you don't have to like avoid this person, right? You don't have to like kind of dip, dive, duck, dodge, and duck or whatever the five D's from dodgeball are. Like you don't have to do that in your home if somebody's sleepwalking, but it's recommended that you should kind of like slowly guide them back to your bed or their bed. Use quiet, soothing voices, use light touch because that sudden waking can actually like jar them and, and scare them and actually can produce pretty violent behavior, right? Or fear or anger or confusion. And it actually can be dangerous for everybody involved, right? You might jar them and they might run and bolt and there might be a different issue or could end up in a situation like stepbrothers where the dad got beat up for trying to stop them from throwing Christmas gifts all over the place. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> if you can dodge a sleepwalker, you can dodge a ball. That was my rip, my rip torn impression. <laughs> that guy is a case study. <laughs> I mean, if you can imagine that you you remember lying in bed falling asleep and next thing you know someone's like shaking and yelling at you and you're standing somewhere how distressing that would be yeah i feel like i also would have the reaction to like you know just at least be pushing people away from me yeah give me space i need to figure this out yeah particularly if that someone is maybe a stranger like let's say you ended up someplace you weren't supposed to be and you've got some stranger in your face and you're like i was sleeping in my bed who is this crazy person who's right in my face right now? Mm-hmm. I need to get out of the situation and get away from this person. Yeah. That that would probably understandably evoke a reaction of sorts. So, right. Right. All right. Let's talk about Massachusetts versus Tyrell. I believe it's Tyrell. Tyrell. That makes sense. I believe so. So we're going to spend some time talking about some criminal cases that are related to sleepwalking. Yeah. I'm excited about this. The year is 1846. Albert Terrell is acquitted of crimes he committed in the first ever United States legal case that used the sleepwalking defense. So what did he do, Shane? So he murdered a sex worker, almost decapitated this person, set fire to the brothel that they were in, and then fled to New Orleans all while asleep. That's a very complicated pattern of behaviors to be doing whilst sleeping. Yeah, a lot of people didn't really believe him, but he was acquitted because it was one of those things where people didn't really understand it. So he was kind of, I mean, also it might've been that he was a white male in the United States and because it was a sex worker that there probably wasn't a precedent for like, I don't know, treating them like people. I can't imagine that the, that in 1846, that that was kind of a, that people were on like the, the forefront of human rights or, you know, dignity and stuff like that. So they weren't woke. Yeah, they weren't woke yet. Neither was he apparently because he was asleep. <laughs> this was not woke walking. <laughs> So he got acquitted. He didn't get charged and got to walk free. Didn't happen with every case, though. So there are a couple of cases where people did get charged. And so you've got Fane versus Commonwealth. And so this is an 1870s case in which a man fell asleep in a lobby. And one of the workers of wherever he was went to to wake him up. And the man shot the employee three times Uh Uh, while being restrained. He kept screaming, whoo wee 
And so <laughs> <laughs> this all happened in Kentucky. So that makes sense. That, that checks out. But this would be a lesson in not sleeping with a loaded and cocked gun. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it's probably the norm for the South in general, even in 2021. But back then, I imagine it was probably pretty normal to do that. This guy was charged with manslaughter. So like he did get charged, even though he was sleeping. Could you imagine that like that, like somebody's being restrained and they're going, who wait, who wait, like just yelling after they shot somebody. Like I, I would imagine that that somebody's like, you see that meme where it's like, oh, you're possessed by ghosts. Do some cocaine about it. Like, I feel like that was the treatment back then. I'm, he's like, take that, Yankees. <laughs> yeah, got him. Now, you know, obviously there's going to be some kind of quirky and interesting court cases in the 1800s because that's just kind of what they knew at the time. Right. So but there are more recent sleepwalking cases. So. You've got this case of California versus Wrights in 2001. And so Stephen Wrights was charged with killing his mistress, Evan Weinfurtner, while they were on a trip. They were at the Cantina Cantina Isles, I believe. And Wrights does not recall the events, but stated that he had flashbacks of a scuffle with a male intruder. I'm not going to go into details here because it is a violent crime. It is really distressing. Basically, basically they said that it looked like what had happened was the whoever murdered the woman was trying to gut a fish or gut a shark like really intense and awful. So I won't go into details, but just, just if that gives you a little bit of like visceral imagery, Ah. this man was charged with first degree murder. So he was charged, even though he said he didn't remember any of the events and he was sleepwalking that he recalled going into that scuffle. He was still charged with first degree murder. So he, he was officially charged despite his sleepwalk defense. That's so tough too, because there's just no way to verify it. Right. And it's not like one of those things where it's like, well, I guess we can let this one go, you know? Right. So that's uh man yeah what a crummy position to be in yeah like it's <sighs> it's it's a very strange spot i mean but again like so maybe maybe he did maybe he didn't but it's still one of those things where it's like i mean there's clearly enough evidence that it was more than just like kind of an accident right there was it was definitely like like if you read the details of the case it doesn't it's very much so the albert tyrell example where it's like you definitely did something like that's more than just like turning on a shower in your pajamas yeah i say most most of the time it seems like the sleepwalking is pretty harmless, often non-directed. Mm-hmm. A lot of just sort of random motor movements that aren't very coordinated, although apparently some of them can be fairly coordinated. Yeah. But it seems like something that's that high effort when someone's actively fighting you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for their life. It seems just, I don't know, this is a tough, that's a tough sell in my opinion. So anyway. <sighs> yeah. We, yeah. We got some research too. So Given that we kind of have those experiences or not, we don't have those experiences. Those people have those experiences and we've talked about sleepwalking. There is a behavioral perspective on this. And so Shrek in 2001, you know, I love the idea of thinking of like Mike Myers doing this research. Yeah. As Shrek. Shrek in coordination with Smash Mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This study was called uh, Sleepwalking All-Stars. <laughs> this study makes the argument that the only effective intervention that has been proven to be effective is extinction for this. That they have found that there are a lot of accepted interventions like environmental manipulations and stuff like that we kind of talked about. Like different things that we might try that seem to work, but they're only working kind of like correlationally. So the only one that's been like proven to have any sort of treatment efficacy is extinction. But even then there's still such a huge deficit in the literature of treating sleepwalking behavior in children, specifically children with ASD, but specifically treating sleepwalking. There's just not enough behavioral research to, to demonstrate, Hey, what is actually effective? What's the, what's the active ingredient in these interventions? For those of you who are not 
super familiar with behaviorist lingo, extinction does not mean killing off that person or their species. <laughs> yes. But instead means eliminating whatever reinforcer might be maintaining that behavior. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I am curious. I'm, I'm not sure if you recall uh, in reading this, Shane, but what was the reinforcer that they were able to extinguish? They didn't really clarify. Like it was kind of a strange, it was a strange study. So I need to go back and kind of maybe see what was in there, but it didn't really clarify exactly what the consequence was or what the reinforcer was. It was pretty, it was literally the only behavior analytic article I could find on it. I'm sure there might be a couple more that are a little bit more involved, but there was the only one that I could find about specifically treating sleep walking. I could see if you were essentially blocking movements from happening and constantly redirecting back toward the bed that that yeah if the idea was that the reinforcement the reward is essentially just being able to freely move about yeah then blocking that might work but i don't know it's just um I, I was struggling to imagine what that experimental arrangement may have looked like so yeah yeah it's weird all right so we also have another one by Christadelou <laughs> and durant and i'm pretty sure that's how you have to say that this was published in 2004 And here, the researchers focused on bedtime routines, such as interventions to reduce any sleep difficulties. And this included night wakings and sleepwalking as the primary concerns. And the interventions included essentially positive bedtime routines, (coughs) sleep hygiene, (laughs) and sleep restrictions as well. There's plenty of other articles that talk about these like type of sleep hygiene things. I believe Greg Hanley does some research on this area too, on sleep hygiene and sleep routines and stuff. And Pat Fryman does some as well, right? At least historically. I don't know if that's a continued line of research, but those are two names that have published on this in the past. Yes. So Shane, we've been talking about the sleepwalking. We've looked at some research, some how to treat it, some of that sort of thing. I've got to know what celebrities do this. (laughs) So... There are a couple. So you've got Jennifer Aniston of Friends fame. She's pretty vocal about it. Anna Kendrick of, I believe she's in Pitch Perfect. Yes. I think that was her. Yeah. Octavia Spencer, who was in uh, Hidden Figure. She's wonderful and everything. I think she was also in Ma. She was. She's awesome. Yeah. And Lewis Tomlinson of One Direction fame. They all currently have ongoing sleepwalking episodes that they've noted. Like there's, they've been asleep this whole time. They've actually been acting uh-huh. and singing in their sleep. Yeah. Could you imagine? Could you imagine seeing One Direction and Lewis Thomas is like just performing, performing well. And you're like, wow, how did he hit that melody? Oh, it's because he's in stage two sleep. Yeah. It turns out it's one of the best teachers of singing is sleep. And um, <laughs> oh, that's great. Those are, uh, those are some great people. And yeah, you're right. Uh, Octavia Spencer is a treasure. So she really is. Yeah. All right. Some people will move furniture or rearrange their homes. I mean, things in their homes. I don't think they're shuffling yeah. their actual buildings around on the street. Right, right, right. They've prepared meals, walked their dogs. There's a lot of instances we've described of people who eat in their sleep. There's one story, including a four-year-old waking up and eating cat food. Mm-hmm. The crunchy kind. Oh, okay. They were very specific about the type. They said the crunchy kind. Got it. Yeah. Very hungry and really just wanted that crunch in the middle of the night. Yeah. And they're like, the smells good. I mean, it's probably good. <laughs> it's fine enough. Yeah. I mean, it was sitting on a bowl on the floor, but there's nothing wrong with that. I mean... That's where I find a lot of my food. So, yeah. Anyway, just interesting. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of different things that people can do, but I mean, at the end of the day, we still don't really know why people do. I mean, that's probably at this point in time, we can talk about take home points. My take home point would be that nobody really knows why we do this. Still, we have some possible causes some lead ins, but we don't have like an actual idea of the mechanism by which sleepwalking happens. And that is kind of interesting to have like this phenomenon that people know about that we don't know about. 
the most disappointing episode of why we do what we do ever is, <laughs> is the answer is we don't know. Nobody knows as far as we can tell. So yeah, I think a take home point for me would be, you know, just dispelling some of those myths. It's not acting out your dreams. If you wake someone who is sleepwalking, they're not going to die. They might be flustered and try and attack you, but it's fairly difficult to do. And that this is not only in kids. This does happen to adults. It's mostly in kids, Mm -hmm. but several adults do still deal with this. And there are ways to treat it, right? There are simple, easy ways to get ahead of it. And that's a lot of what they're doing. It's like the interventions that are out there that they've talked about that have seemed to work are essentially setting it up so sleepwalking doesn't have to happen. Or it's treating some underlying, some other condition where sleepwalking is the symptom, like stress or PTSD or sleep disruptions or substance abuse, stuff like that. So a lot of times kind of eliminating those things helps alleviate or ameliorate that sleepwalking issue. Yeah, I think for like the fourth or fifth time now on this podcast, recommending to not use alcohol to get to sleep Mm -hmm. is is one one of the take home points. If there is a theme, that is one of them. Yeah, this has (laughs) come up multiple times. And yeah, so anyway, that's all I got. Do you have anything else on sleepwalking before we have some recommendations? Nope, I think that's it. Perfect. Recommendations. All right. I am going to recommend a talk show. It's fairly new in the world of talk shows. This is a writer who um, is still on the late night show with Seth Meyers, whatever his Mm -hmm. late night show is called. Yeah. Her name is Amber Ruffin, and she now has her own late night sort of talk show that she does. And it is marvelous. I mean, just so good. So if you, if anybody out there who is listening is a fan of John Oliver, Mm -hmm. she's like the... I guess I would say kind of the Jimmy Fallon version of John Oliver, which is to say that she does a lot more episodes mm-hmm. and they're shorter, but she will often take these topics that are these deep dives. She, she often likes to call her segment. How did we get here? Okay. Which I think is great. Yeah. And tackles a lot of really important contemporary issues and just does this phenomenal job with it. And so, and she's really funny. I highly recommend the Amber Ruffin show. She has a YouTube channel and is on the streaming service Peacock. Cool. All right. I like it. I like it. I'm adding it to the list. Nice. So I'm going to go and provide a retro recommendation. My recommendation is I recently was kind of like going back and looking at like books that I had read and, and I still have like old collections of like goosebumps and like books that I read when I was a kid. I still have the series. And one of the series that I have still is some of the Animorphs books. When I was a kid, I never finished them. So if you're not familiar, and I was like, kind of like, I wonder how this ends. Because I was kind of like, I remember being like, oh, it's so cool. They're going to turn into sharks and dolphins and, and tigers. And they're going to beat people up. And it's great. And I thought that was kind of a really cool premise. You know, sure. fighting an alien invasion. Kids like fighting an alien invasion as animals. Yeah. yeah, like totally normal. Totally normal sci-fi stuff. But I go to revisit it in my adulthood and discover that there are some incredibly adult and mature themes that go on in this 54 book series. The books are relatively short. They're written for young adult. Like they're very YA, but it tackles stuff like suicide, broken families, the gray morality of war and the, and genocide and PTSD and mental health. And just all the things that go along with like, like real war type of stuff. I mean, cause essentially the story is these kids get thrust into an intergalactic war. And so I just thought that was really interesting. It kind of like changed my perspective on this. These stories that I grew up, I was like, he gets to be a lizard. That's cool. (laughs) And so like, he has to be a lizard because he's spying on an alien invasion to keep his dad from becoming controlled by an alien species and the human species being taken over. And he has to deal with that and live with that. So anyway, it's really interesting to revisit. And I just think the story is just really neat. Like it's a really cool world building story. So 
Cool. Just go check that out. Go revisit that if you if you remember that from when you were a kid. Yeah, that's a super fun recommendation. All right. So if you are a sleepwalker or if you're Octavia Spencer <laughs> or you know someone who is a sleepwalker or Anna Kendrick, please reach out to us. We would love to talk to you. We'd love to share your story mm-hmm. if you're willing to have it shared. You can reach out to us on any of the social media platforms. We're also on email at info at www.podcast.com. Yeah. We always respond to those kind of emails and are, and are happy to, to hear from people. So let us know. Yeah. If you are Amber Ruffin or an Animorph, we also are very curious about hearing your stories, particularly how physically that would work um, if you were an yeah. Animorph. But um, <laughs> but yeah, so those uh, <laughs> that's, uh, I think, what we got. you have anything else? I mean, that's all I've got today. So Perfect. All right. Thank you so much for recording with me today, Shane. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you to our Patreon supporters specifically to justine selena megan mike and shauna mm-hmm. uh, as our patreon supporters and so um you will as we've never mentioned people by name before we are gonna do a weekly shout out for all those people who are joining us on patreon so if you would like to be one of those people and have your name read on the air you can do that as well as we are updating all of our perks and changing all of our things on patreon and so there's there's brand new things to get oriented to there you can become a fan of ours and we'll be a fan of yours right back so yep absolutely by the time this episode comes out there will be by the time you hear this there will be the updated tiers so we're excited to to hear from you and see you and thank you for keeping the lights on absolutely all right this is abraham and this is shane we are out see ya you've been listening to why we do what we do why we do what we do is supported in part by our amazing patrons thank you if you like what you heard consider becoming a patron by heading to patreon.com slash podcast. You can also rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts or share this episode with your friends. If you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. Find us at podcast on your favorite social media platforms. You can learn more about this and other episodes by going to www.podcast.com. There, you'll find links as well as detailed and shareable show notes. Why We Do What We Do is researched and produced by Abraham, Ryan O, Shane, and Miranda. Artwork and logo design by Andrew Pollock at nogdesigns.com. Video and production assistance from Tyler Brassier with music courtesy of Justin Greenhouse. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have an awesome day. Hey.